Hi. Hi. <laughs> Long time no see. Yeah. sad episode there's a lot wrong with it yeah like why isn't booth wearing a suit <laughs> oh because he's la boy in this one i didn't care I mean, about the suit it's their mother other jackets right? and they're like anyway <laughs> we have to talk about Google it chat. let's um uh let's catch up i forgot to ask you how Alex and Megan's wedding was. It was really nice. It was really, really nice. Yes. Honestly, yeah, they, it was weird. It felt very normal. We've been stuck in this, at least I haven't really been to any big events. This was like my first big event since I got married two weeks before the pandemic started. It was, it was really nice. It was really beautiful. They did an amazing job. Everything was set up so nicely. It was just a really beautiful experience. Was it outside? The ceremony was outside. The weather could not have been more perfect. We went for the rehearsal dinner on mon- on the Monday. Right. And on that day, it said it was supposed to be like th- that on the Saturday, it was going to be thunderstorms, lightning, like 80% chance of rain. And we're like, oh, this is no good. But they always intended to have the reception inside. Yeah. So it just would have meant that the venue basically would have done the ceremony inside and then in the same places where the reception was being held. So then they'd maneuver everything around. But the, it was like blue skies, not a cloud in the sky. It was amazing. How did they work the whole, was everybody, did they have to show proof of vaccination or anything like that so they got really lucky because they they missed that proof of vaccination by like two weeks i think we mark and i were not going to the wedding because i will be too pregnant to go we're a little bit worried about going to niagara on the lake at the end of october but mark's cousin's getting married october 30th i think it's i think and i could be wrong but i think it's on the couple to collect proof of vaccination i know my dad was invited to a wedding that he had to that he would have had to submit although he's not vaccinated so it would not have worked for him probably why he didn't go really yeah that's a whole other thing but he fun time at your table (laughs) but yeah that basically he was supposed to go to this or he was invited to a wedding and they as part of the invite they had a website and you on the website you had to submit your proof of vaccination onto the website i think crazy times i'm past weddings now i'm at that age where now people are dying like it's sort of like the weddings are over <laughs> yeah we have funerals. i'm like yeah honestly well, like, like all greg's family is married off now there's divorces and death basically at this point yeah well that's sort of how that seems to be how it goes right you have the <laughs> weddings because we went to weddings, weddings, weddings babies then the divorces then the deaths yeah, exactly the circle of life <laughs> oh my god it's happening <laughs> then the second marriages you know marriages when we don't get invited to a Breed's wedding, we know like, oh, okay, no more weddings for us, I guess. No, um, I, they had to limit it. So the way it worked, I think there were a hundred, a hundred people, which is really hard for a Slovenian oh wedding to impossible. bring it down to that number. Especially the Breed's. Oh my God. 
Yeah. So brought it down to a hundred and then we weren't allowed to dance, but then after a certain number of people had left, which was about 11 o'clock ish. No dancing. Stop. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What? They didn't allow dancing? No dancing. That was, they could either have like 50 something people. I think they were allowed 54 people with with dancing. Or a hundred with no. Or a hundred with no dancing, but but they would monitor if they saw that enough people left, then they could dance, then we could dance. So we were able to dance. I was wondering that because I did notice some of the videos. There weren't a lot of people on the dance floor and I was like, what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) It's because we weren't allowed to dance. No dancing. You have been to Slovenia weddings and it's all about the dancing. Oh yeah. So Doug, Doug Ford though said no dancing. God, that's terrible. I'm sorry. But what's the point of living? I Yeah, it's weird. Like, no dancing, no singing. There's, like, all these very specific rules that, they're, <laughs> that are in place. No but singing. you can go. The Leafs home openers tonight. And apparently it's completely, the ACC is completely packed. Although everyone's vaccinated. They probably have to show proof of vaccination. They may need to wear masks when they're out in the concourse or whatever. Yeah, go to the washroom. I don't know, I don't know what the rules are. I'm not are. sure. We're all winging it, right? Anyway, how are you? Been so long. Has been. For our listeners, it doesn't seem that long, but Brittany and I haven't recorded for a while. So Brittany is in full-on nesting mode. It's insane. (laughs) Getting ready for this boobala to come out. Your life is going to change so much. Oh, yeah. I want some new with me nothing. Like, uh, what do you want me to say? I... I'm stressed out. I'm full of anxiety. I got lots of stuff going on. Like I had, I'll be honest with you. It was rough there. A couple of weeks ago, I was just feeling really overwhelmed with everything that I had to do. And then I have a lot of, honestly, like my finances are a fucking disaster. And it's like, it's really, really like it's heart. It's hard on my, my stress level. On I do what I can. I'm doing my best. I'm making do. I grew up in absolute poverty. So it's sort of, I'm not, it's not like I can't handle it. It's just uncomfortable. And it's stressful. Yeah. Trying to figure things out because we have some stuff happening with Greg's ex and there's all this shit going on with that. And then I'm trying to deal with some legal things and some tax things and blah, blah, blah. And then of mm-hmm. course the government isn't really handing out our lovely CRB much longer and they've cut it in half and it's like making a big impact yeah without getting into too much detail but you know honestly I'm just trying to be honest like it was it's been very stressful and I'm just trying to do the best I can you know yeah for sure and I'm really you know I thought a couple weeks ago I had this notion in my head that I should um I should just go get a job (laughs) Well, you do have a job. You are an entrepreneur. I do. And I do a lot of things. And I I have to just let it go and have faith that it's all going to work out. But it's sort of, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It'll I would love it. to just be able to focus on the business and not just the business, but all kinds of different business and just sell everything I make and just do that kind of thing. It's 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 something I go back and forth on. Like, I have faith. Everything will be fine. I always have faith that the universe will provide. It always has. And I don't mean provide, like, I'm not going to be rolling in it. You know, not like rich as fuck or anything like that. But you want to, yeah, but you want to be like comfortable. Pay my bills, man, and not have stuff 
not have to shift money over from one account to pay this. Like, I don't need that. Like, yeah. I want to be back in a place where I don't have to think about what's coming out of my account all the time. You know what yeah. I mean? And I was there. Oh, yeah. I'm not there right now. So it's okay. I'm just going to roll with it, let it go, and just live my life and do what I'm doing one foot in front of the other. The whole thing, you know? Perfect. Uh, other than that, I've just been working, but not too much, trying to sell food, trying to figure out, you know, what to make for this market. So I'm telling you, I want to make potitsa, which is a sl- traditional Slovenian sort of sweet bread that's made with like walnuts and stuff. That's not for you, Brittany. That's for our listeners to understand. Look it up. P-O-T-I-C-A, potitsa. Anyway. It's delicious. I'm going to try to put little taste testing potitsas and little individually packaged things so people can try samples and then they can order potitsa from me for Christmas. So I'll get their email and then. That's a genius idea. And then maybe because it could be worth it down the line. Like if I end up making, what is it? You can sell a potitsa for 50 bucks. Like they're not cheap to, they're worth 50 bucks. Oh yeah. Well, they look nice and they taste delicious and they're pretty big also. It's like a custom cake almost, you know, Mm -hmm. bread. So if I sell, I don't know, what is that? How much, how many potitsas would I have to sell to make it worth my while? You know, because like, like say a hundred potitsas, I'm just throwing a number out there. You can make like 5,000 bucks. $5,000, you know, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm cash money accountant lady you don't like that but i do (laughs) i'm your zombie apocalypse lady i love it i said to greg i'm gonna be like his grandmother when i die you're gonna find like hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash just like stashed around my house that's what they found (laughs) in the walls his grandmother died they found like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like just randomly all over her house no yeah oh my god they divided among all the, all the nine siblings, eh? Jeez. It's pretty good. You see movies about that where people have like stashes of money under their bed. It's pretty good. Because they don't trust the banks. Oh yeah, that's amazing. It's a good thing there wasn't a fire or anything. <laughs> of course, the fire is an issue. But also like I had a friend, Dominique, she went to France, to, but she's uh, her family's French. They're all from Normandy. So she's over there in France and she and her husband wanted to buy a house. So he said, Viesi, Viesi, he's like, come here, come here. So he gives her a shovel and he says, go to there. And so he points her to this little outbuilding that's actually like, it's like a potato barn where they store vegetables and apples and stuff like over the winter. So it's like kind of like a, like a building that is, in the dirt like I don't know how to describe it but they put everything in the dirt so he said dig right there so she dug up out of this building in the dirt there's like twenty thousand dollars in cash he's like here take that and buy your house like like, that's a great story I just thought oh classic farmer I, I guess I'm like a farmer I like to do that kind of thing That's a good way to, like, that's a good way to save. And if you want to, like, splurge on something, you have to go through, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't impulse buy because you'd be like, oh, I got to dig up the money. You got to dig up all this money out of the ground. So much work. (laughs) (laughs) It's not worth it. I know. I don't need that new Xbox. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if like that would be interested in Xboxes, but there you have it. 
Anyway, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm just, I got in my head. I'm in my head about all these things and ideas and things, ways to make a living and earn money and sell stuff. And yeah, so we're going. You are a woman of many skills. So I, well, that's the you thing. Have lots of ideas. Greg said that to me. He says, you're good at a lot of things. So you could do it all. Like just do it all. Yeah. Who cares? Like I don't have to have a specific career. I don't have to have like a thing that I do all the time. I can do everything. So exactly. Keep it more exciting too. You want to move on? I did want to bring up something that is relevant in the news to Bones. Okay. I This is kind of somewhat random, but not really. But I was reading an article. I don't know if you've been following the Gabby Petito's uh, case, but that internet blogger. At the, the woman. The blogger. Yeah, go on. She was found murdered. Authorities, I think, believe from what I'm reading between the lines, it is speculated that Brian Land. Landry, Laundry, her boyfriend murdered her. And he's now on, he's basically gone, gone with the wind. He's missing. So, okay, they haven't found him. They have not found him yet. But what I thought was interesting, the article I was reading about the case the other day, because yesterday they released her cause of death as strangulation. Okay. And she, they found her three to four weeks after her. Um, after her death and in the article they mentioned that they were able to determine all this because of a forensic pathologist a forensic anthropologist okay and i thought that that was very interesting very bones relevant this seems honestly kind of like a case that you would see that brennan would do brennan would be going down to where were they arizona i think yeah they were in arizona or something they were somewhere in the desert, right? Yeah, I think so. Is I think they're from... Oh, I've been reading all these articles. I have baby brain. I can't remember. It's okay. They were, yeah, they went to some... Were they from Utah or some... I don't remember. I think they're originally from New York, but then the parents live in Florida now or some, something like that. Yeah. They were doing this cross-country road trip. And then right. he basically... There was a <clears throat> domestic... The police basically somehow let them off the hook or let him off the hook and then like a couple days before they anticipate that she was murdered anyway i just thought it was very interesting that this show Mm -hmm. is not just entertaining but also yeah has uh real life applications yeah there's one application in this particular episode i'm very curious about it's near the end of the episode so um we'll see if we both caught this let's welcome everyone to the show how's that sound i'm kelly i'm Brittany. Awesome. Hi, Brittany. How are you? Hi, Kelly. Yay! We're finally doing this. Uh, yes. And uh, this is a squint cast. We're going to talk about this episode of Bones. The Woman at the Airport. Yeah, season one, episode 10. There are some things we have, we're going to have to address for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Episode <laughs> Why don't you start us off? All right. So Woo! we open with Here we our go. favorite character, Dr. Goodman. Oh. And he is, I love Dr. Goodman. I'm so happy he's in this. <laughs> I love him. So they are, they being Zach Brennan and Goodman, they're mm-hmm. all standing around a skeleton. And this is no ordinary skeleton. It is remains that were found from what they believe to be the Iron Age. And basically this one, they found a bunch of remains, but they only found one set of remains 
completely whole. It's about 1500 years old. The idea is, is that they want to study these remains to determine if they are authentic. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Goodman leaves after giving them their assignment, which is interesting because he is an archaeologist. Yes. But he doesn't want to be involved, I guess, just to remain. Yes, he, he, well, he has a museum to run. He has, he has other jobs, but also to kind of step back from the situation. So he leaves yeah. Zach and Brennan to deal with this. Right. And Zach attempts to be metaphorical <laughs> by saying that he, that asking Brennan, should we use kid gloves on this project? Yes. And somehow Brennan doesn't understand, but later realizes that he was trying to be metaphoric. Oh my God. Yeah. And her response was, he says, oh, so therefore we're going to use kid gloves with this situation. She goes, no, latex is fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And then he says, I decided to give it a shot at being, at using a metaphor, mm-hmm. which is also metaphorical. So <laughs> Zach is really trying, trying to, to be uh, more human for sure. Yeah. yeah with the, the wrong good, audience, but that's okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The Goodman thing is interesting because he walks away like he was really excited about this, right? It's very exciting. I would be excited too. Like it's amazing. 100%. But then he had to, I don't know what he was doing. It's like he he snapped out of it and went, oh, I'm not an archaeologist anymore. I am, I manage this institution. I have to step back. Like he had to really like catch himself, you know? Yeah. So he, I think he was feeling like a little, uh, what's the word? Wistful or something like he wishes he could do it but he can't he just has to step back which is hard for him to do because this is an exciting find exactly we'll find out more about this iron age not ice age as booth later says iron yeah age. this is yeah we'll definitely talk uh, about that, but yeah it's, uh, it's definitely our one of our storylines here for sure the yeah. iron age guy and so then- what happens next booth ends up there Oh God, Brennan goes back to her office and she's like rolling her eyes like, oh, they let the garbage in. She's all mad because he's sitting at her desk and says, feet up on her desk. He's like, oh, hanging out at her desk. <laughs> he's like smiling oh, so God. much. And she's like, oh, they let anybody in here now. She's just, oh, it's just it's like, <laughs> she sees him and she immediately gets mad. Meanwhile, if I saw him in my office, I would be like, oh my God, I'd be so happy to see him there. Like, hey, hey, baby, how's it going? Hey, honey, bunny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he shows her this picture. It's some random kind of map type thing that has a bunch of dots on it. And she's like, what the fuck is it? Like, she's what do you mind? What do you, what am I looking at here? And he goes, oh, where these dots are, those are all body parts. Um, and the, he tells her that they're in Los Angeles and he wants her to go with him to LA to figure out whose body parts they are she of course this is the <laughs> i love this this whole thing because of course she doesn't want to go she's like i have to stay here and figure out if this iron age warrior is real anyway booth doesn't think it's important he's like who cares about the iron age guy uh this is more important. Like they're it's more recent. I need you with this. So then they have to go to Goodman's office and Goodman asks the age old question. This is beautiful. Cause he says the thing that I always ask, he's like, do we have to do this every time? <laughs> do we have the to answer have is this, yes. Do we have to have this argument about whether or not you're going to go with Booth on this trip? Blah, blah, blah. 
so then Goodman actually puts his foot down. I liked him doing this because he's like saying, hey, wait, like, no, actually, this Iron Age guy, this skeleton we found out is pretty important, like historically. He said, give me a good reason to, to send Brennan to L.A. with you. So then Booth basically says that it's like this high profile case in Hollywood and that it would be really good exposure for the Institute. Yeah. And that's where you were talking about earlier. Goodman says, OK you're gonna go and Brennan's like wait a minute what about the Iron Age dude and then Goodman says I will step in he Goodman is gonna put on his archaeologist hat and he's gonna do the work on the Iron Age guy which is great because we do not get to interact with or see we don't get enough exposure to Dr. Goodman and he's a great character I love him I'm quite happy with this development also Booth calls it a sexy case in Hollywood and I (laughs) laughed out loud how is it sexy it's they found a bunch of body parts by the los angeles international so random like how many deaths do they have in la every year i don't understand like why this is so sexy sexy. (laughs) (laughs) it's not like it's a hollywood star or something oh my gosh i thought that was hilarious there's and we'll talk about this but something that irked me about this episode is that the pathologists had punted the case to they they used the word punted at some point the case to the fbi they handed the case off to the fbi because they said we found all these body parts by the airport something fishy is going on whatever when they're investigating when they're looking at the body parts later in various scenes it looks as though no one has looked at the bones or no one's looked at the body parts at any point we will talk about this I love that you notice these things. But I'm like, I, like the things that they, they come across. Anyway, I'll remember that I said this and I will bring this point up in a couple scenes because there's something that they find on the body. And I'm like, are you for real? Yeah. How did no one else find I know it? exactly what you're talking about. Anyway. <laughs> so they're in a car now because now she's all upset. She's in, they're in LA. Yes. He wrote down that he was getting a sedan on the rental agreement, made the poor rental guy say that. But in reality, he is driving a 1966 Mustang, Mm -hmm. a classic. He's very happy about this. Yes. They're going to meet their contact, this special agent, Trisha Finn. They're driving out that way. Somehow this whole scene turns into Brennan convincing him that she should be driving. I love this. It's so funny. They're driving down Rodeo Drive in this Mustang. Friggin' Booth is having the time of his life. He's like so happy to be in LA. Brennan is over it completely. And she's such a stick in the mud that she doesn't want him to have any fun. And she's basically threatening to rat on him that he lied about what car he rented if he doesn't let her drive. And the next scene, it's such pure comedy. The next scene, she's driving because he's like, oh, he had to like give it to her. Which is, she, this is the first time we've seen her drive, uh, I think. Well, I, I, I think you're right. I think the first time we've seen her drive and the first time we've seen her that happy to win something. Oh my she God. She's smiling so much. She's so happy. And Booth is sitting, pouting in the passenger seat. He, he had just recently called 
the grandma seat. Like he's like, I should be behind the wheel and you should be in the grandma seat. Oh my God. And then two seconds. The power struggle is real. I'm telling you. Oh yeah. (laughs) I love it though. I love it too. So they do eventually. They're both wearing brown leather jackets. I don't. Yeah. They're both wearing different colored sunglasses and brown leather jackets. I was very cognizant. Like I really noticed that he wasn't wearing a suit. Yeah. But then it made me think she's never dressed that formally. No. So he's always wearing this like full suit, like blazer included. Yeah. And she's just wearing a belt. Well, there's other clothes underneath it, but she's wearing a belt. The belt is prominent. You are correct. But I've never really thought about the fact that she doesn't really dress all that professionally. Yeah, she doesn't dress like... She's not like an office worker. Yeah, but like normally when you see people who work in labs, like not necessarily at a place like where she is, but like a lab lab, people are just wearing khakis and golf shirts, you know, like nothing special. Exactly. She's always got some kind of hippie skirt on or pants and then the big belt. And anyway, you're right. She doesn't dress very formally. And it does really analyzing my, like how critical I am of Booth's clothing though. When I was thinking like, he's not wearing a suit. And then I was like, wait, she's not either. And she's dressed (laughs) the same as she's always dressed. Like he's in full vacation mode. I love it. Oh yeah. But they're working a case. And in the meantime, Yes. Dr. Goodman has now gotten Hodgins involved in this Iron Age investigation. So they're back at Jeffersonian. They're studying this skeleton. Goodman Mm -hmm. is pacing. Hodgins is looking at Goodman going, okay, like, can you stop? Like, why are you pacing? Like, Mm -hmm. let's just focus on the science. And Zach is very confused watching Goodman, wondering what's going to happen. We start to see this really interesting power struggle between Zach and Goodman. Which we have seen before in previous episodes. Hodgins, yeah, Hodgins and Goodman. Oh, sorry, Hodgins, not Zach. Hodgins! Zach is scared of his own shadow. Hodgins! You do it so much better. Hey. Yeah, we see this power struggle between Hodgins and Goodman, which we yeah. have seen before. There was that gala or something that he refused to go to. Yeah. But this seems to be for a different reason. Yeah. Because Hodgins basically thinks that they're just wasting their time because Dr. Oh Goodman, my God. at the end of all this is going to tell them that is going to write in his report that he's unable to authenticate with confidence. So why bother even trying to authenticate this thing at all? Is right. he won't want to run the risk of being proven wrong. And Hodgins really tells him what his opinion is. And it's very, very brutal. It's um, harsh as hell. To be an archaeologist. Oh yeah. It's brutal. What were your thoughts about this scene? It was well, a lot. I just- Really from, from get, like Hodgins is like a complete dick. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so mad at Hodgins in this episode because he's like being so disrespectful to Goodman in so many ways. Yeah. And I just feel like Hodgins is really hammering home that Goodman should be more scientific in his, but he doesn't appreciate Goodman's process, like the way Goodman... Uh, goes through this journey of sort of figuring out who this Iron Age person was because it's very it's a lot based on conjecture so I guess it's sort of like the way Booth likes to posit scenarios for certain cases and Brennan thinks it's illogical to you know uh, make unsubstantiated sort of claims or 
you know, ideas surrounding, you know, evidence and all that stuff. And Hodgins is similar where he doesn't want Goodman to like make up these fairy tales and these stories about these people when they don't have hard science and evidence behind, you know, the information. But I just think the way Hodgins went about it was really, like you said, it was really harsh and brutal. And I just don't know how you talk to somebody like that. Like even- Especially your boss. (laughs) Well, yeah, boss, colleague, whoever, like who- how does he get away with that? I know how he gets away with it. It's because he's rich and yeah. his family donates all the money to run this place. So which he, that is part of it. I think he like he's acting aggressively, but he's also also kind of acting entitled oh in, my this, God. in this episode, which is brutal because I'm always making a case for how Hodgins turns out to be a great guy. This is not an episode to prove <laughs> You're that. not gonna win in this one for sure. No. But yeah, definitely it, it, not. The, uh, the whole thing ends with Hodgins basically pointing out that Goodman used to be an archaeologist. Yeah. Which was like, ouch, like just really disrespectful. Like, wow. Okay. Like, you yeah. only run this museum now. You used to be an archaeologist. Yeah, you, you. you're nothing. Like, he's yeah. just missing everything. It's like, wow. Like, so disrespectful. Wow. Anyway, yeah. that's how yeah. I felt about that scene. <laughs> yes. Oh, we were on the same page. I did like the way they ended the scene, though. I feel like Zach was there just as, like, comic relief because Zach is standing between them. Yeah. Looking like he's watching a ping pong match. Yeah, like looking between them back and forth. And then he just says, I have no idea what's going on between you two right now. He didn't know what was happening. Like he knew there was something going on, but he didn't understand. Like he doesn't have the capacity to like understand there's like a pissing contest going on. Exactly. Which Angela eventually tries to explain to him. Not well. We'll get there. (laughs) We will get there for sure. So now we're back in the California airport area. Well, we're actually on the beach near the airport. There's a plane flying overhead. Yeah. Anyway, they're at the crime scene. We're meeting agent Trisha Finn. Mm -hmm. She's a nice young blonde agent. She seems excited to be part of the case. She seems excited to be meeting Dr. Brennan. Yes. She seems to be fangirling a little bit mentioning the fact that Brennan has written this book, asking questions about the book. She is also asking questions about the case. Like they're talking about potential scenarios. Oh, maybe the, the, maybe this body, yes, it's dismembered. Maybe the dismembered body parts are scattered this way because it got caught in land, like the body got caught in landing gear and then it got dropped in this way. Brennan looks at her like she's an idiot and tells her that the dispersal rate's wrong and it has to be that the, the body was pulled apart by a pack of dogs, which we find out, did not know this, in LA there are a lot of coyotes. So well, ding, 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 the yeah. body was pulled apart by coyotes. Right. So two things. I'm very confused about this whole airport thing because they're on a beach and I, I don't live in LA. So all my, any listeners out there who know this geography, why are they on a beach? Is there a beach near the airport is the question. Why are they saying that the body was Google Maps. found at the airport when it was on a beach? Anyway, uh, that's yeah. the thing. And then also coyotes. Yes, there's coyotes in LA. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I don't understand why it's such a weird thing I, that both Brennan and Booth seem dumbfounded that there are coyotes. 
there are coyotes in Toronto as well. There's coyotes. Like I grew up in a place where with coyotes, there's coyotes everywhere. Yes. Yeah. I saw my coyote story this summer. I was walking my dog to the park and there were two coyotes down the street and they were very close to us. And Tiki, my dog was actually kind of spooked by them. Didn't want anything to do with them. And one of them started approaching me like they wanted to come close to me. And I was like, oh, shit, what do I do? Yeah, because it was a big one. It was tall. Like I, I've always known coyotes to be kind of small, but this mangy. Yeah. Yeah. This one was tall and was like really approached, like running over to me. And I was like, so then I started making all this hilarious noise. Get away. No, no. No, <laughs> bad dog. And Tiki, my dog's like, why are we still here? Let's get the hell out of here. Get away from these dogs. I was like, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's my coyote story. What'd you find out? Okay. So, can oh. you see that? Oh, there's a beach. To... Okay. There is. So, it's directly on the Pacific Ocean. For the listeners, Brittany looked it up on Google Maps. I did. I'm showing a... my phone right now. There's an airport near the beach. So, there is. So, Perhaps they were at Dockweiler Beach. What's the airport? That is right beside the Los Angeles International Airport. So LAX. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So it is possible. And I guess the planes would be, yeah, flying out over the Pacific Ocean or coming back in. Okay. So maybe that makes sense. All right. All right. I don't know. I'm just wondering. I didn't know either. So I'm glad we looked it up. (laughs) Like, why wouldn't the body be washed up on the shore from the water? And why is it, yeah. you know? I guess it was far up on the beach enough that they determined it was a coyote mauling as opposed to a water issue. Right. Wasn't bloated enough or something. <laughs> anyway. Meanwhile, it's just bones. <laughs> I don't know how they would be able to tell. Anyway, we are, ba- we are finally on the last scene before the intro comes yes they're in this large sterile empty lab that no pathologist has ever been in because it's a lie no one looked at those body parts before they got them it's so empty it's so empty it it looks like no one has ever been in this room before ever science fiction like like a science grid room or something it looks like something out of the Matrix or something. I don't know. It's a very empty room. Very white, very sterile. Hmm. So they have this, they're in this room, Brennan Booth and this Agent Finn are standing around the remains. Agent Finn, although an FBI agent who has probably seen bodies before, appears to be looking like she is going to be sick. Yeah. Looking at these remains. Which oh there's, there's virtually no flesh on the bones, to be fair. Hmm. It is a little bit gruesome. Looks kind of like like the whatever is left on the bones. It's like a beef jerky texture. <laughs> <laughs> Just to put a picture in everyone's mind. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to eat beef jerky ever again. Never again. <laughs> then we find out more or we find out again. She really is a, a groupie. She's a big fan of Brennan. And we find out that Brennan is going to be releasing a movie based on her books. Although Brennan doesn't really seem to know much about it, which is weird. She doesn't know about the accounting like surrounding her finances. She doesn't know about her books. Yeah. Her agent is not doing a good job 
explaining things to her. But she has a meet. We find out she has a meeting while she's in LA to to talk to some big movie producer about making her books into a movie, which is kind of cool. Booth seems completely frustrated in the fact that Ben can't seem to keep it together and focus on the case. And Booth and Brennan starts playing around with the skull and pulling things off of the skull face. Skull face, that's redundant. Anyway, in front of the skull. And she realizes when she's looking at the skull that the architecture of the skull has been radically altered by surgery. So this individual has had so much surgery that it'll be difficult for them to ID who this person actually is. Yeah, that's the last line she says. Yeah, this Agent Finn is very curious about Brennan because she's Brennan um, is having her, her books being made into a movie. So I think that Finn is gunning for the job of writing the screenplay. Like She really seems to want to write the screenplay for this. So she's trying to get in on this, you know, other angle. Yeah. Brennan could not care less, as you were saying, like she has no concept of who she's meeting, what she's doing, what what anything is in Hollywood at all. You're right. She has a very bad agent, like an agent who doesn't send you a fruit basket when you get on the bestseller list, like an agent that doesn't set you up with like meetings while you're in L.A., (laughs) better meetings than the one she has anyway. Anyway, oh, yeah. I'm just like, who is this book agent? I'd like to know. Anyway, so yeah, now we have be... our intro to the show. Yes, we do. Right. This is a nice, huge, big scene. Scene eight. Oh, my God. What happens? <laughs> oh, we're still in our sterile morgue environment. I called it a morgue, but it's also a lab, I guess. Yeah. And they, Brennan has this big screen set up, so she's FaceTiming with Zach, but he's like life-size, basically, on the screen. And uh, they're just talking about... Um, yeah, so they're FaceTiming. So they start talking about the case and then Angela comes in the room and sort of like shoves Zach out of the way and sits down on a chair and starts talking. Oh, my friend, Angela, here we go. She's like trying to like tell Brennan that, oh, no problem. I'll find out who the victim is. And she doesn't understand what she's up against in identifying uh, the victim right now. Calls Brennan Sweetie. This is the first instance where she calls Brennan Sweetie. I hate that she does that. Oh, honey. She does it a few times here. But um, I said the hilarity ensues when Zach pops his head into the video. And he's like sort of sideways looking at the camera. Being funny because he was kicked out of his chair. And he has to talk to to, uh, Brennan this way. So they determine the victim's pretty young. She's in her 20s. They decide that the cause of death is stabbing and that she died a week to 10 days ago. And again, no one understands that there's coyotes. Like, again, coyotes are brought up again and everyone's like, what? Coyotes? Like, they don't get back in L.A.? In L.A. 
And then um, I think uh, the discussion goes like Brennan talks to Angela about Hodgins and Goodman and how they might butt heads in their interactions, like just to watch it, like make sure that they're okay because she knows Goodman and she knows Hodgins and she knows that their processes are different and they're going to have a problem like communicating. Yeah, I just thought, so there's, I think you covered basically everything from this scene. Mm -hmm. There were three things that I noted from this scene yes. that were interesting. Number one. Number one. I thought this was hilarious. So Angela, as you mentioned, basically pushes Zach off the screen. Mm -hmm. But then at one point, Brennan's like, oh, Zach, like she has a question for him. And so he, rather than pushing Angela back out of the way, because he's this passive individual, mm -hmm. he decides to just go from the side of the screen and put his head directly into the webcam. Right. So his head is sideways, exactly like the way that you're doing it now. Yes. <laughs> so his head is like at a 90 degree angle. The victim is in her 20s. Nose. Yeah. She was stabbed. <laughs> she died a week ago. Have you seen any movie stars yet? <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. And then eventually Angela kind of moves off to the side and then they're both able to be on screen and everything is fine. Right. But I thought that was hilarious. Number two, why won't Brennan tell Angela that the skull has been surgically altered? I thought that it's too. so irritating. She's like, you'll see. You'll, you'll see, see why you'll it'll be see. hard. You'll like, see. Surprise. Like, yeah. why didn't you just tell me? Just tell her. It makes no sense. It's not oh. like this is not something exciting to hold back. No, uh, it makes your job harder if you don't communicate what yes. you're looking for. Oh my God. So that was number two. Three. Eventually, at the very end of the scene, mm -hmm. Brennan, and I mentioned this before, there's no pathologist involved. It was a lie. Because Zach mentions there were two shadows on the victim's chest on when they did the x-rays. So Brennan goes, ooh, very interesting. So she opens up the chest and pulls out breast implants, which yeah. have a serial number. Unbelievable. So they go, oh, I think we can identify who this victim is. Excellent. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Why would the pathologist not have noticed this? I'm with you. I'm behind you. I'm supporting you. Thank I you. thought the exact same thing. I thought, how could no one have noticed that? Like, it's right. It's insane. Yeah. It's kind of odd. Oh. And not very odd. thorough of Brennan either. No, I because thought it was like the first thing she'd notice. Yeah. But that was all. I think we, I think we hit off everything from this scene. Well, then Angela tells Brennan, like, she's always telling Brennan, like, have a good time here in California. I'm like, she's investigating a murder, Angela. Exactly. <laughs> like you're in California. Forget the iron age. Go to Sky Bar tonight. Go to Sky Bar, she Get says. There. And then she calls her honey. She called her. Oh honey. yeah. And anybody who calls me honey, I want to punch him in the throat unless it's greg okay greg or what my about mom. like an older person my mom yeah or, you know my dad would have called me that there is nothing worse than when someone younger than you calls you honey oh, or sweetie i could tell you the story oh. I, worked at, I worked at this okay quick story time yes i worked at this physiotherapy slash 
foot clinic kind of place. Um, very cutthroat. That business is so cutthroat. I don't know if you do accounting for any of those types of businesses. Yeah. But they're very cutthroat in how they try to hustle business and stuff. Like, and the people who own this particular clinic, I think they had several clinics all across the GTA. And they were super cutthroat. They didn't give a shit about the clients, the staff, nothing. They just need to fill those rooms, get those yeah. people in the doors, get them cracking, get the chiropractic, get everything done, all the physio. And then they want the follow-up appointments because they get money from the government. They get insurance money, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I worked with this girl. She was like 21 or 22 years old. And she had worked there longer than me. And she was one of those women, she was very pretty and she always had her tits out. And she was one of these women that did calendar modeling, like the kind of calendars that are in mechanics, garages kind of calendar girl. Yeah. And and needless to say, I got fired from this job. I'm just going to tell you that I got so (laughs) fired from this job because I worked with this girl. She was so condescending. She called me sweetie, honey, dear. She called everybody. Oh, it's okay, dear. Like she talked to you like super sweet and saccharine. It drove me nuts. Oh yeah. Especially for her to be 21. She was weird, man. That's because the owners kept calling every five fucking minutes to ask me how many people we had booked that day, constantly on my ass about how many bookings we had. And I was like, I would ask them to wait. Like I'd say, okay, let me call you back in five minutes. I'll give you that information. And they would get mad at me because I didn't have the answer. And I was like, well, I need to. I have a client here waiting for my attention. I have to look through the book and see if we have any other book. Like I wanted, I said, I just want to give you accurate numbers. I don't want to not give you accurate stuff. Anyway, they hated me because every time. That's ridiculous. Oh, they hated me because I wouldn't, I just wouldn't toe the line. I wouldn't do the hustle, you know, and I'm not a person who does that. You know, I was more about taking care of the people there. Yeah, which is important. Yeah, well, I had a couple people come in. Like, there was one girl who was obviously uh, like an alcoholic drug addict, and I tried to get her a little bit of help. I gave her some resources for people she could talk to. And then there's another woman I met. That's amazing. uh, She was a sober girl in the program that I I'm now I still know her to this day. And her father who used to come in with her, who was also in the program. Anyway, so I met some interesting people at this clinic. But those people, absolutely terrible to work for well that's why i think some doctor's office some clinics like you see reviews online and they're like the administrative staff is horrible they're so mean and it's like okay well it's because because the owners the owners are Mm -hmm. constantly on them about doing stuff like that yeah and give the attention to the customers exactly and they're always telling us to upsell 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 yeah have to sell them more treatments we have to tell them about the other things and blah 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 and I was like what the hell are we doing here guys like yeah this no no I didn't like I didn't like it it felt very um ah, I just didn't feel right anyway yeah no I agree that's my story of a young 20 year old telling me calling me honey and dear and and sweetie oh god (laughs) the worst all right okay let's move on we're back with the iron age skeleton now Dr. Goodman Zach and Hodgins Mm. are standing around the table. Somehow Hodgins and Goodman haven't murdered each other yet. (laughs) 
Goodman is commenting on how the skeleton was found, how normally for burials of that time, you would find the, I found this actually very, this was very educational. Yes. That in the Iron Age, apparently these warriors would typically be found in this in a semi, semi-fetal position. However, this fellow was found on his back, arms at his sides, and he had a decorated antler on his chest. This helped Goodman kind of paint this picture, as you were saying, that yeah. he doesn't necessarily rely on the science. He likes to paint this, this nice picture. Zach Andrew Jackson talks about more scientific stuff that this guy was in his mid-30s when he died. He was 6'2", 6'1". Dr. Goodman is talking about other things, more artsy-fartsy, how his bones bear the marks of battle, how he was a proud man, right? all this other stuff. And Hodgins is just standing there like, are you for real, man? He is over it, for sure. And Hodgins is confused why Goodman wants an actual report from Hodgins on the things that he asked him to study like spores, fungi, that kind of stuff. He's like, oh, you want me to put it in a report? Doesn't Hodgins have to do this all the time? Like, I don't understand why he's arguing about this. Yeah. Ugh. He walks away eventually, thank goodness. Goodman's looking at Zach like, what's Hodgins' problem? Oh, my God. And there's more to come on this story. Because oh, my God. We're not done with this skeleton. No, we're not. And you're right. I'm with you. It was very interesting. I love that he was so tall. I'm shocked at how tall this guy was. Yeah. And all these details are based on historical findings. Like, you know, obviously it's all part of history. So I don't know why. I don't understand. Like, okay, I get the the whole argument that we have to be objective and everything. But also, you got to. Anyway, I'm on the archaeologist side. I'm sorry. Well, and also Hodgins respects what Angela does. Mm. And Angela's job does have a high degree of subjectivity to it. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, so for some reason, like illustratively, is that a word? With illustrations, like I'm running with it. Like what what Angela does, somehow that's fine. Yeah. If you try to tell a story with words instead of pictures. Yeah. Suddenly that's a problem. Oh, I don't get it. He got problems. Yeah. Now we're back. So we're flipping back and forth. Now we're back in California. They're at a rooftop pool, which I've never been to Cabana Pool Bar in Toronto, but I imagine this is what it looks like. I don't think I'll ever go to one. Oh, I will never go. But this (laughs) is how I imagine it looks. Like people actually wear bathing suits and shit. I'm like, I'm not wearing oh, yeah. a fucking bathing suit. Allie went to one before she left for England. Of course, they're in their Good for her. bathing suits. Good for her. My I had a coworker who apparently went on a Wednesday. Like she took the day off work, like a vacation day, and went on like a Wednesday morning. What? I think that that miss isn't it supposed to be kind of like a club, but it's a yeah, pool? like what do you drink? Virgin Caesars and at 11 a.m. Shirley Temples. <laughs> like, what are you drinking? <laughs> I guess orange juice. Wow, and an eggs Benedict. They're on the. They're at this stupid rooftop bar. Booth, Brennan, and Finn are dressed fully dressed, like they're fully clothed. They look very out of place here with all these bikini-clad women that are suspiciously looking like a certain way. Like all these women are looking a certain way, and the guys. I said the guys all look like Guidos. <laughs> they do. <laughs> All the 
guys are wearing long sleeve shirts and pants and the women none of the women are dressed <laughs> no they're all wearing bathing suits like not even bathing that. suits like bikinis it's gotta be somebody with like, some clothes on somewhere scantily clad and booth is wearing booth shirt did you notice what it said yes it? i looked it up online to see if i can find it go give me my space <laughs> shirt says give me my space i was like is that david's shirt like did he just wear his own t-shirt that day i hope so i want to know ask david come on the show answer the question <laughs> well this scene really solidified for me how unimpressed booth seems to be with agent finn mm-hmm. is so basically ultimately long story short they determined that the breast implant lead went it didn't go anywhere because the, they were stolen breast implants. So the victim must have gotten them off the black market, which maybe was a cheaper way to get them than some back alley plastic surgeon would have um, put them into her. They're trying to talk about this, and Finn just completely loses track of the fact that they're working on this case and asks Brennan again if she's going to write the screenplay. And Booth is going, Okay, let's turn our attention back to the murder victim. What, what, what's going on? Anyway, but ultimately they decide, okay, we don't really have a lead. Why don't we go and look at, um, meet with the guy that the, meet with the doctor that the breast implants were stolen from. Right. So it gives them somewhere to go. It's not really a, a good lead, but it gives them somewhere to, somewhere to start to next. But I think, uh, Booth calls him Dr. Boobs. Yeah. Dr. Boobs. And then he also is, Finn is like, why would we, why would we go there? Like they were stolen from him. Like he, they were stole the the breast implants were stolen from him. Why would he know anything? Mm-hmm. And Booth says to her because it's the only lead that we've got, Finn. And leads are great for screenplays or even say if you're actually working on a real case. I know, right? He's so mad at her. But I wrote down too that he was wearing that T-shirt that said "Give me my space," and that his triceps are insane in the scene. Oh, yeah. His muscles under his t-shirt. I was like, Um, (laughs) (laughs) sound like such a perv. Everyone's thinking about it. Oh, yeah. So they go, uh, they decide to go see Dr. Boobs. And yeah, Booth is over Finn. She's ridiculous. She's ridiculous. But before they go see Dr. Boobs, Angela has an incredibly inappropriate conversation with Zach back in the lab. Yeah. Because... Zach comes in <laughs> with a skull. So he brings the skull to, he, he had cleaned the skull off for Angela, brings mm. the skull in. Oh, wow. Angela realizes this woman has had a lot of surgery. I get what Brennan was talking about. Yeah, if only she'd told her before she sent the goddamn thing she in the mail. could have told you. <sighs> you know. The inappropriate thing that Angela says is related to Goodman and Hodgins' behavior. Zach is curious. He says, Angela, what's going on between Goodman and Hodgins? I don't understand. And she's like, you know what? They're guys. And the only way to solve this is for them to just lay it out, lay them out on the table and measure. Goodman's going to win, by the way. I'm just going to say that right now. Almost certainly. (laughs) But Zach doesn't understand. And it's (sighs) awkward. Yeah. She also tries to explain... I thought it was really, it was really sweet of Zach at the end of this scene when they're kind of talking about the fact that this girl has had a lot of plastic surgery. He says that, well, at least we know that she's going to be beautiful. We don't know who she's, we may not be able to figure out who she is, right. but we know she's going to be beautiful because why would anyone go through all the pain 
reconstructing their whole skull and not end up beautiful. Yeah. It's a very naive way to see it, I guess, for sure. Very naive and unfortunately not true, as Angela points out, Michael Jackson and Joan Rivers. Just two people. Why are you dissing Joan Rivers? Joan Rivers is a legend. She's a queen. She is a legend. And she died. R.I.P. Died having plastic surgery. Yeah. But she died after this show was made. After this episode, I think. True. So kind of actually taste. When did did Michael Jackson die after this show was made too? I think so. Yes, he did. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Yeah. And I also, I just want to say this. I disagree with Angela. This is not a dick measuring contest. The only dick in the room is Hodgins. Yes. Goodman is Goodmaning it up. He's doing what Goodman does. Like he's not doing anything wrong. And Hodgins is the one who's being disrespectful and inciting, like being really antagonistic. And 100%. I just, I just don't agree with Angela. It's not a dick measuring contest. I don't agree with Angela and I agree with you. I just don't think Goodman is, is, is uh, playing the game. Like Hodgins wants, Hodgins wants him to be, I don't know. I think that he wants to give him a bit of a fight or something. Yeah, he wants Goodman to react, but Goodman's not. He's just, he's just trying to be really calm and civil about it. So. And kind of saying like, what's your problem? (laughs) Exactly. This is how I'm doing my job and I'm your boss, so suck it up. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Well, we end up at Dr. Boob's office. <laughs> Booth and Finn are sitting um, reading magazines and Brennan is pacing Ugh. in this office waiting room, ranting about plastic surgery. Going off. Going off. And <laughs> Booth is just like, why don't you speak up? Because no one can hear you and everyone yeah. really wants to hear every word you have to say. So embarrassed. He's like, can you is, keep it down? Oh my God. She's just going off about how plastic surgery is barbaric. It's painful. It erases women. It does all these like horrible things. Booth is mortified. Yeah. And Finn doesn't even seem to notice. Oh and she God. just wants to ask more questions about the screenplay. Like after being dressed down by Booth about this whole thing, she still has the gall. To sit there and go, so who's writing yeah. a screenplay? Which she dug her own grave in this scenario because Booth is sick of her. So he basically is like, you know what? They get called in to see Dr. Boob, Boobs. His name is actually Dr. Kostov, but that's fine. Who cares? Dr. Boobs, Dr. we're going with it. <laughs> and he, ba- he, not basically, he tells Finn, you know what? You, st- you stay in the waiting room. Don't bother coming in. Right. Because he just couldn't be bothered. She's not taking the the job seriously, and he couldn't be bothered to deal with her anymore. Exactly. So, so she stays behind. Stays behind. They're talking with this guy, who is some sort of high profile plastic surgeon. It seems like he very quickly they bring the breast implant in. He recognizes the implant right away. Mentions that. They were stolen about six months ago, and the, the person that they found them in is probably the same as who they recently found one of the other implants in. Uh, a Heidi, they call her, mm-hmm. which apparently is LA speak for a call girl, which is very, very unsettling to me because I love the name Heidi for a girl. 
Yeah, I think it's based on Heidi Fleiss, who was a very famous madam, I think in the 80s, maybe early 90s. Don't uh, don't come at me. But Heidi Fleiss was a very famous madam in, in, in Los Angeles at the time, uh, or sorry, in the 80s and stuff like that. So and she went to... I didn't know that. Oh, she's so famous, Heidi Fleiss. So I think that's why they call them Heidi's. But this is where we get into some very problematic territory when they start talking about sex work and sex workers, Mm -hmm. um, which of course I'm seeing this through my 2021 lens. So there's a lot of language that is used in this episode that wouldn't be used today necessarily. Uh, People don't even call sex workers prostitutes anymore. They don't call them hookers. They don't call them call girl, whatever. There's sex workers. So I don't know what to do with the language, but I'm just warning everyone. It wasn't, it's, it's from the show. <laughs> so we may <laughs> slip we, up. <laughs> they called them in this in the show. So, and I will be saying words that characters say. So I apologize in advance. Agreed. I'm with you. Yeah. So go on. What happens in the doctor's office? Well, the doctor ultimately, once they find, find that out, the doctor it was with this episode and people losing track of what they're supposed to be doing. So he is originally helping them with the case. Then yeah. he gets sidetracked by the fact that Brennan has nice bone structure. Yes. And starts telling her, Oh, like it's never too early to watch your problem areas. And he goes over to like, show her where her problem areas are like back off. He wanted no. to touch her. It's so funny. And Booth is like, uh, yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bad idea. Like, we haven't seen her kick someone to the ground in a couple episodes. I know. I was like, this is a missed opportunity. I was hoping that he would touch her and then she could flip him on the ground. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would would be great. So funny. But instead, somehow, this doctor does listen, so he doesn't grab her. But he turns his attention to Booth instead. And Booth is like, honestly, man, I'm quite happy with the way my face is. Like, don't look at me. Listen, I'm happy with the way his face is too, so. As is everyone. Yeah, millions of other people. (laughs) Millions, millions and millions. Well, they don't really get anywhere. They, They learn that possibly this implant is from a sex worker. Right. They learn that this plastic surgeon would love to give Brennan plastic surgery right or then doesn't want to be kicked to the ground right but then we also really find out how judgmental Brennan is of plastic surgery yes this is another issue in the show this episode sorry not just about sex workers but also the judgment that is placed on people who choose to have this type of thing done yes which is not good you know people can do what they want like if you want to throw some botox in there or get some fillers or do whatever do whatever you need to do girl you know or boy whatever so we don't do that anymore we don't shame people for doing that type of thing anymore but we used to do that a lot (laughs) yeah and it's definitely apparent because well brennan brennan it's not just in this scene and it's not just in the scene before she goes on in the next scene (sighs) Yes, to rant as she goes on to rant to Angela Mm. about the fact that plastic surgery is so barbaric how it it erases erases the human 
and Angela's telling her, okay, I, I see why you were thinking you were going to, that I was going to have a hard time with the skull. Right. Oh, sweetie. Anyway. She anyway. calls her sweetie. But that's fine. And basically all the usual indicators, skull markers have been modified. So it's going to be very difficult for her to reconstruct what this girl looked like. Mm-hmm. So she's given her three she, she basically came up with three variations based on an educated guess. Right. And Brennan is just going off and off and off about why she can't understand why this young woman would have altered herself so much to completely remove her identity. Yeah. And she sees the fact that this woman wanted to do this plastic surgery as an indication that that woman hated herself so much that she didn't, she went beyond just changing her looks. Which is... The message in the show really bothers me. Like this whole idea that you must hate yourself if you get this stuff done. Like obviously, like I said, 2021 lens here. I've got my fake glasses on. So I appreciate that. Now we live in a world that everything's high definition. We've got filters. Everybody's got to look perfect all the time. So people do that kind of thing. But it's far more acceptable. It's like now you can be covered in tattoos and still work at uh, in an office, you know, because yeah. people are more accepting of, you know, lifestyles and choices or whatever. So I have to just keep that in mind, obviously. But 100%. Brennan is super, mostly... What it boils down to is Brendan's upset because if they can't identify the victim, then they can't identify the killer. So this is a real problem here. And, you know, I appreciate that perspective, obviously. (sighs) It's just you don't have to be so judgmental. She is so judgmental about it. And it also at this point in this at this point in this episode, I'm kind of thinking also and probably just because I've seen shows on TLC where (laughs) People are addicted to plastic surgery. Yeah. But the fact that this individual had so much plastic surgery that her entire face was reconfigured that they can't even identify her. Right. From Angela's method makes me think, okay, is this something that she was doing because she's like, yeah, I just want to do a little plastic surgery. Or was this like an addiction for this individual? But we will find out more about this person as this episode progresses. Yes. But I just want to point out that Angela calls Brennan sweetie again at the end. Multiple times. But she does say that she loves her guts. She says that all the time. That's so weird. So we're moving on. Yes. At this point, we're about halfway through the episode. We're on scene 15. I hate you. We're (laughs) in. There are 32 scenes. I hate you. Go, go. So now we're at the LA, LA FBI office. Mm-hmm. They're sitting, Brennan and Booth are sitting across from a madam with Agent Finn there. Mm-hmm. Agent Finn's pacing. I don't, Agent Finn, Agent Finn doesn't need to be in this episode. <laughs> in my opinion. Very, yeah, she's like interstitial or like whatever. Yeah. Very peripheral, that's it. She's just there to frustrate Booth, I think. Booth basically like anytime in this scene... And in other scenes as well, that Finn tries to ask a question is they're they're interrogating this madam because they they want to know or trying to figure out who this who this girl was, mm-hmm. and they know that one of the implants showed up in one of the sex workers that works for this madam. Right? Is that the right way to say it? Yeah. So I don't know what her. to call this woman. She runs this 
escort agency called Aphrodite, yeah. which I thought was a little on the nose. <laughs> like, yeah. <okay. laughs> um, yeah, let's just call her a madam and somebody can correct us later, I guess. Okay. I'm running with it, but okay. th- that, that's sort of where that, that's how they find this lady. Because at first I was like, okay, why are they interviewing this woman in particular? But it was because they found that breast implant, one of the stolen breast implants in someone who works for Aphrodite Escorts. Right. So they are asking her, do you know of anyone that's missing? Any, mm-hmm. or any of your girls missing? And in fact, there is one of the girls missing and she hasn't heard from her in two weeks. And at that, and she had booked a one week rate, but apparently I, good to know they're supposed to check in. She had not checked in and this girl goes by the name Rachel which we learn may or may not be her actual name. Yes, this is the first name we're introduced to, Rachel. Rachel. We find we get to see p- the pictures of what we think, of what Angela thinks this girl looks like. Right. Because, um, and we have the three images, and she basically says, well, if I had to choose one of these, maybe this kind of looks like Rachel, but she doesn't seem confident that any of the photos look like Rachel. Mm-hmm. so it's not all that helpful but this lady is quite helpful in the end mm-hmm. she gives a name about a name of the person that Rachel was last with right Booth's asking for a card so that he can get in touch with her later apparently they offer a law enforcement discount yes thank well, you for that and she confirms that Rachel potentially this is her has had a lot of plastic surgery because they were, Brennan asks if, uh, asks about what she looked like before the plastic surgery. And her response is which time rather than giving a definitive answer. Right. So we're confirming that this, the victim has had a lot, a lot of surgery, but I mean, Brennan knew that already. Yeah, that's true. I think that's basically that. That's all I got from that yeah, scene. That's it. I like <laughs> that the, uh, the madam, the manager of the woman who ran the agency was wearing feathers and ruffles. Like she was very much like, embellished in her dress or she's wearing like shiny sort of satin and ruffles and feathers like you know it's like a from the old west or something where they wore fancy dresses and things (laughs) they were really trying to they really were trying to make her seem like a classy yeah like a classy old-fashioned lady exactly so the costumes were on point (laughs) well for her anyway for sure oh yeah so the next scene, we're back at the Institute with Goodman, Zach, and Angela, and Hodges. <laughs> and uh, they're all standing around the Angelator, and Angela has drawn up, you know, taken the skeleton of the Iron Age dude, and she's trying to put a face to him and stuff. So they go through the motions, talking about all these things, and trying to figure out where he's from and everything. So they, they talk about all this stuff. She may, he asks Angela if she's absolutely sure her measurements were good or whatever information he was accurate that she's using. And then she says, well, they're more accurate than the information she got about Brennan's Hollywood hooker. And I was just like, wow, Angela. Wow. Okay. She should have called her a Hollywood sweetie. Yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood honey. Um, oh, oh, that's way better than sweetie. Hollywood sweetie. <laughs> I love it. Hollywood, Hollywood honey. I'm going to get a t-shirt made up. I hate Angela for saying that. And then Goodman just 
decides that this individual, this Iron Age dude, is what's called a Pict. So we learn all these really interesting things about this uh, particular group of people. And he's really fascinated and he thinks it's a super amazing find because this guy, this Pict, is so far south from where they originated. So he traveled really, really long distance. So it would be a very uh, fascinating and exciting find for the Institute to have this authenticated and stuff. And then Hodgins starts in on Goodman and how basically we he can't rely on any of the information like Angela had, Zach had, or he had, because we could have all fucked up the information and it could be wrong. So he's putting seeds of doubt in Goodman's mind. It's very discouraging to work with people like this. Like, it's just like, wow. <laughs> he's brutal. And Angela points out, like, are you trying to get fired, Hodgins? Wow. What is your deal? Yeah, after Goodman storms out, he's so mad. He just leaves. And then I was like asking, can he be fired? <laughs> yeah, they need the funding. <laughs> like, can this guy get fired? Or is he, can he just go all willy-nilly? And then he, Hodgins says, okay, I'm going to say the line because it made me so mad. Oh, I have it highlighted, double underlined. It's a lot. Like after Goodman. What is the line? Yeah, I know. Goodman storms out. Angela's like, what are you trying to get fired? And then Hodgins says, science is no country for storytellers, baby. And I was like, barf, 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 blah, blah. I was like, blah, blah. And the way he said it, he was so smug and like, I'm the best. I'm so smart. And like, he's an idiot. Like, I don't understand why he's so disrespectful. Like, I can't stand him. Like he thinks he's so cool. I kind of, the way that he said baby to Angela, it was like seductive. Ew, it was so gross. It made me creepy crawly. gave me the shivers. It was too much. Like Hodgins, one step forward, two steps back, man. Like how am I supposed to build a case about how you're a great character if you do stuff like this? So bad. Okay, what's next? Okay, next is scene 17. Oh no, please, it's torture. Okay, sorry, I'm done. But, <laughs> so they're back. They're back to this California lab. They're looking at screen, on-screen visuals of the skull. They're bouncing some ideas off of each other. They're with. Well, they're talking with Zach, who is being somewhat helpful. Is there yeah, they're on Skype with Zach? Yeah. They're and he they beamed things to each other, which is so helpful. And Hodgins is there as well. I don't yes. know why I didn't put that at the top of the screen. Anyway, mm, it's okay. My notes are kind of all over the place, but that's fine. So, so they're basically trying to say, okay, do you think it was this Dr. Boobs that was the one who performed the surgery? And they're, they're getting the opinion that there are multiple plastic surgeons involved with her surgery. Yeah. That it wasn't just one plastic surgeon that she had gotten surgery from at any given time. And they noticed a very specific way that the blade, that, a very specific technique that was used on some of her plastic surgery. And this becomes very important later to make a note of. Mm -hmm. So the edges of the bone are almost scalped as if the blade simultaneously cut and applied torsion at the same time, which is, it is one way it is recognized by the American medical association, but it comes up later. It's important. Regardless, we find out that the victim was on a boat at some point before she died. Yes. That's somewhat helpful because Hodgins had looked at soil samples, all that, all that fun stuff. 
he had looked at her molars. Zach had looked at her molars. He found out that she had an early childhood in New England, then in Southern California, probably for a couple of years. Basically, we find out some extra details about this person who we still don't know, even though we know all these things about where she grew up and how she got plastic surgery, we don't know who she is. Right. Booth realizes this, grabs Brennan's cell phone and makes a call. Right. He dials the madam mm-hmm. and orders a madam to Brennan's hotel because he has a, a higher daily allowance than yeah, he orders us uh, an escort to join in. Yes. Because he thinks, okay, you know what? We're, I need to get more more of my, my information. I need to approach this from outside the science because we're not getting anywhere with the science. So I need to talk to the person that Rachel spent the most time with. Apparently there's something they indicate called a two-on-one special. So he wants to know who she did these two-on-one specials with. And I want to talk to that person. Right. And then Brenna has to go meet a producer. And that's basically it. Yeah, this scene is basically all about Hodgins being gross and talking about uh, they found some other piece of evidence on the body as well, which included a, a fingernail that yes. had uh, like a zirconian kind of diamond-ish gem in it. Yep. And he basically, Hodgins says like, oh, she's obviously not a high-class prostitute because they're not real diamonds. So it's yeah. the first instance of calling uh, someone a prostitute. And then he was mad because he did, you know, he was all excited for Booth getting a two-on-one special. Oh yeah, that's a classic. And then he says so he was mad about Booth having being able to get order a, a hooker over the phone. And why can't I come on road trips? Like he wants because he wants to get a hooker. Like, okay, Hodgins, great. More reason is not painting Hodgins. a good picture for Hodgins this episode. He is a pervy, brutal, very aggressive man. I don't like it. So yeah, Hodgins is jealous because Booth got to order a sex worker. Anyway. Yeah. So the next thing is um, Booth at the same hotel bar, the rooftop uh, pool bar, whatever. And he's sitting there with this this girl, this woman, and uh, they're doing this cutesy thing where she doesn't believe that he's a real FBI agent. Like it's all part of the story that he wants to tell. But it turns out that he just wants to ask her questions. So She's like, I've noticed that she's the most depressed sex worker I've ever seen in my life. Like, she's so unhappy. Like, she basically claims that none of them want to be sex workers. None of them chose it. And it's just terrible. And you know what? I'm just going to say this now. There's lots of people who do sex work that choose to do it. And it's, you know, it's totally fine. It's legitimate work. And, you know, if you can do it, all the power to you. You know what I mean? Like, I could never... Well, I mean, believe me, like I haven't thought over the years, every woman has that thought where they go, oh, you know, I could always just (laughs) put myself out there and see what kind of money I could make. You know, if you're hurting for some cash, like why not? Right. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so a lot of overhead, not all sex workers, not all sex workers are this depressed about being sex sex workers. Yeah. She's like, I would have been an actress where she was going to be a singer. Yeah. One of them was going to be a singer. One of them was going to be an actress. Rachel isn't even Rachel. Rachel is Candace, but maybe Candace isn't even her real name. Right. So now Rachel's name is Candace. So we're getting introduced to another name. And uh, basically, Booth finds out from this woman, Leslie is her name. 
who knows. Um, she says that basically Rachel slash Candace was seeing a dude named Nick before he found out she was a sex worker. So we have a new person that we can now, you know, sort of hunt down and get some more information just to find out who the hell this girl was. So during this conversation, some big burly security dude walks over and tries to kick the, the sex worker out of the bar because he's like, we don't want your kind here. Get out of here. And then, yeah. Booth, you know, being ever chivalrous, basically says, you know, shut the fuck up. I'm here with my sister. We're here from whatever. And then he flashes his FBI badge and says, can you get my drinks? They're taking a long time to get here. Right. So um, because he sort of saves her, she kind of does this thing where she's like, oh, so we're just going to have a drink. And he's like, yeah, that's because she just expects him to have sex with her, I guess. Yeah. Like he is, he doesn't, she doesn't believe that this is literally just a converse and and booth acknowledges that he doesn't feel that he belongs there either right at the end of this scene he's saying you know what have let's just have a drink enjoy the view pretend we belong and then we'll catch a murderer later yeah no booth ends up looking very good in this scene he's like a knight in shining armor really yeah exactly finn and finn finally confronts booth they're Mm -hmm. at the la fbi headquarters and Finn stops him in the hallway and says, Booth, did I do something to offend you? Like, why are you all pissy with me? Right. And he tells her how it is. He tells her, you know what? There's nothing. I don't have any problem with you other than the fact that you don't seem to take this job seriously. And we view the FBI differently. I view it as a proud and noble job that needs to be taken seriously. And obviously you don't. You're a screenwriter. Why don't you just go write a screenplay, get an agent? Then what I thought was odd is he tells her, hell, why don't you go have a little plastic surgery? I was like, oh, that's unusual to say, but okay. But he's basically saying like, the FBI shouldn't be a stepping stool. The FBI is, this is, this should be your career. This should be your passion. And if you think that something else is better out there, then pursue it. Because in my mind, nothing is better than the FBI. Yeah, it's more FBI propaganda. Just like, yeah, yeah, we're like defending the country. Like, he's just, you know, he's pretty hardcore. It's a filler scene for sure, but it's kind of totally useless. What the hell is this? This useless. But we've been getting the vibe all this time that he hates Finn's guts. This is a way for, I guess this is her saying, you know what, audience, I also noticed that he hates my guts. Let me talk to him. Sorry, I had hiccups. No, it's okay. Are you okay? Do you need to like take- I'm good. It was a one, one-time hiccup. Okay, good. Oh God, this is the most, next scene is the most awkward interview I've ever seen in my life. Tell First me about all, it. Okay. So next we have Brennan is sitting down for an interview next to Penny Marshall, icon, legend, Penny Marshall, Laverne and Shirley Penny Marshall, Awakenings Penny Marshall, a league of their own Penny Marshall, amazing woman, RIP. She apparently is the going to be the producer on this film that they're going to make out of her book but my question is 
didn't they meet before this interview and they just show up at this place and have an interview with no context so brennan is like a deer in headlights first of all we know how terrible she is in these situations she doesn't know how to interact with people she can't answer questions like in a normal way that's like nice and penny is doing her very best to you know be I don't know, forthcoming and nice and accommodating to this weirdo writer. Anyway, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. So they have this weird interview type situation that eventually Penny has to like, <laughs> somebody asked who was going to write the screenplay. And then Brennan, who has been quizzed this whole time by friggin' Finn, if she can write it. Brennan says, oh, aren't I going to write the screenplay? And then Penny, the ever classy woman she is, says, well, we'll talk about that. She's just being very like, we can talk about that later. Yeah. And then Brennan gets a phone call in the middle of the interview, I assume from Booth. And she's like, bolts out of her chair. She's like, I have to go. We have a suspect. You know, we got to go. We're trying to investigate this murder. It was all very exciting. And Penny was like, holy shit, look at this one. You know, she's just like, what's so passionate. <laughs> and then the interviewer is like, oh, she's very passionate, you know. It was a disaster. It was a great filler scene, like very interesting. This is finally that side story coming to fruition because we were told that she's supposed to meet with this big producer. We didn't know that she was going to have this TV interview, though. That was a a bit different. It seems blue, exactly. But I'm telling you, if you have Gary and Penny Marshall who are willing to put your book to movie form, like take that money. Yeah. Oh, God, the Marshalls, no problem. I when I first saw this scene, so I watched this episode twice. Yes. When I first saw this scene, I thought this lady looks a lot like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> And then I was like, that's not Barbara Streisand. No, it's not. Not at all. Anyway. It's Penny just a small side. On to scene 21. Just look her up, guys. She's a legend. You said that you said R.I.P. She passed away? She passed away, yeah. She's not, no longer. Oh, so sad. Passed. Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, yeah, there's a few people, I guess, yeah, Michael Jackson was mentioned in this episode. Joan Rivers, now Penny Marshall. Hey, I know. R.I.P. Wow. R.I.P. to all of them. Yeah. Well, we are now at the Santa Monica Pier. There's a volleyball game going on. They are, they being Brennan Booth and Finn. Yeah. Are watching this game and discussing their suspect. They're trying to find this guy, Nick. Right. Who sounds like he's going to be this like super aggressive guy. Right. Because in the scene that we learn about him, we find out that after he finds out that Rachel slash Colleen is a call girl. Or sex worker, for better words. We find out that he smashed all of the windows of her car in mm -hmm. anger. Mm -hmm. So I expect this guy to be very a very aggressive person. Instead, we find them standing at the side, watching these people in the, playing volleyball in the middle of the day. Which I personally, I love volleyball. I play, I, I not recently, but I, before COVID, I would play in like recreational and intermediate intramural teams. Really? Big fan. I played in high school. I love volleyball. So I was personally offended when Booth says that anyone who plays this stupid game is capable of murder. Oh so my fine. God. 
That's so funny. So, I could see you playing anyway. volleyball. You're very tall. You have to be tall to play volleyball. Yeah, it definitely helps. The height height aspect definitely helps. Big fan though. Yeah, it's a fun game. But basically, Brennan is like, okay, that's enough talk. I'm done. We I'm done talking on the sidelines. Booth has been trying to get their attention. They keep playing. So she just runs into the middle of the game, grabs the ball, and then throws it in the opposite direction and says, and Booth says, anyone who isn't Nick Harbison, go get the ball. So we are left to meet Nick. So we're not standing Nick. in the center of the court. Yes. Nick, yeah. And Nick doesn't seem like a guy who would break all the windows in someone's car. Hey, don't put it past it. Don't say that. Like uh, Ted Bundy. Uh, That's true. BTK. I'm a bad read people. of people. We know oh, this. You know, they're, they could be anybody, you know? They could be anyone. Regardless, I don't know. The guy's a cheese ball. He's wearing like, first of all, he's like one of the only guys wearing like a golf shirt and shorts playing volleyball in the middle of the day. Yeah. Also, Booth, Brennan, and Finn are fully dressed at the beach, like standing, looking very very out of place on the beach uh, while they're standing around discussing this guy. They sit him down. They sort of talk to him, try to figure out some more information. So now we get our third name. So, so far we have Rachel Candace, and now we learn a name, Sandra Kane, I believe is her name that yep. uh, she went by when she was dating him. And then he goes, he goes on this sort of um, monologue moment where yeah, I know. I wrote, apparently he broke all the windows in her car when he found out she was a prostitute. <laughs> I thought he was really lame. He tells some sob story about how insecure Sandra was about her looks and how much surgery she was having. And he goes on about how, yeah, she just kept having surgery and it was never enough. And I don't know. He thought she was beautiful. And every time she had surgery, he thought, oh, you're beautiful. Booth doesn't believe him because he's like, oh, this guy's an actor. What does Brennan say? Brennan is like, I don't know. He doesn't seem to work very much. So <laughs> just an observation, but he is playing volleyball in the middle of the day. Yeah, he can't be that good. He's playing volleyball in the middle of the day. Uh, that was like, ouch. There's lots of things in this show where people are like, ouch, being really oh, yeah. mean. <laughs> just so judgy. Oh my so god! So judgy. Mental, I know. So that's what we we find out from him. Next, we come to the scene that really puts the icing on the cake for Hodgins and Doctor Goodman's little standoff. Mm-hmm. They are standing in the hallway with Zach and Angela talking about this Iron Age skeleton. And Dr. Goodman tells them he has an announcement. And sure enough, as Hodgins had originally guessed, he is there to tell them that he's unable to positively authenticate the skeleton. And Hodgins is pissed, is absolutely pissed. He gets nose to nose with with, uh, Dr. Goodman. Mm Mm-hmm. And Dr. Goodman finally fights back instead of just being like, what's your problem? He's like, you know what? I've been treating you like a colleague instead of treating you like I'm your superior. Mm -hmm. I've allowed you to be insubordinate, but this is the last straw. Like we are done. Ajahn Singh is saying like, oh, do you want my letter of resignation all up in his face? And Zach does not read the room and tells them that they should just put them on the table and measure 
I know, right? Well, ultimately, Angela suggests that they should just walk away, which Goodman does, which is great. Right. But, like, what the hell? He, Angela points out very correctly to Hodgins, you might think that you won that argument, but you are in the wrong. The Dr. Goodman is the one who's the bigger man, and he's the one who had to step away from this. Because, yes, he came to the conclusion that you thought he was going to come to you. But he has reasons for doing so. Yeah. And you need to take a chill pill. Yeah. Hodgin just, he does not look good. He's being a dick. And I love Goodman. Anybody who disrespects my friend Goodman is not a friend of mine. I'm sorry. Damn it. Hodgins. I've been making a case for you. Making it hard. (laughs) But Angela, yeah. Angela's not impressed. She's like, you know what? Goodman was the bigger man. You should learn something from this guy because he's way better than you are. So the next scene uh, there's a walking and talking scene. They go to see Dr. Boobs. Uh, Brennan and uh, Booth go to visit Bo- Dr. Boobs and they're walking down the street with him. And they're trying to figure out if this guy had a boat. Like they're just trying to see if he's the murderer. So yeah, they find out if he has a boat. They try to figure out you know, what his relationship was to uh, Rachel slash Candace slash Sandra. And um can you tell me what the details were? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. That's, really no, that, that is basically it. That I don't know if it matters what the details are. I, he just basically is uh, ruled out as a suspect based on, I don't know what, just. At, at this point, they do think that he is. The only reason I think that he is ruled out as a suspect is because we later find another suspect. Is at this point. Right. I think they do think that he is the killer. They're basically right. harassing him on the street. Yes. Um, and he's Again. like, he's the biggest dick. He's like, I do four boob jobs a day. Of course I have a boat. They're 20 yes. grand a pop. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I have a boat? And also, screw you. That's all I'm going to tell you until I get a lawyer involved. Right. I don't think the doctor is being a dick. I think he's fine because he didn't do anything so he's just like yeah i have a he's being harassed and he's reacting appropriately i was waiting for brennan to throw him down on the ground it would have been great that oh he just had to touch her just one tiny touch a little touch that's all just a little shoulder touch (laughs) (laughs) so um the next scene we got zach and hodgins are trying to figure out the murder weapon on the uh los angeles on the victim and they have this discussion. They go back and forth. And Zach is looking at the shape of the, the wound. And he's looking at the shape of something else on the skull. And they're very similar. So it sort of dawns on him that perhaps, uh, you know, he figures out the murder weapon. And we don't really know what that is yet. It's a little bit of a cliffhanger because he says, oh, my God. He says, oh, I think a normal person would say, oh, my God, here. And then Hodgin says, go ahead, say it. <laughs> Pretend you're a person and Pretend say it. Pretend you're a person. So then Zach does say, he says, oh my God. So this is a, okay. I want you to start talking about this next scene. I, I'm sorry. Because um, I think it's a good scene between Booth okay. and Brennan. So where are we? So they are, this is another one of those driving scenes. Brennan is riding shotgun, which is great because it means that she finally gave up power. But anyway, they're running some scenarios because Booth is saying, normally at this point, we would have more of my stuff. We would have more of my answers, but we don't really have that situation right now. There's 
two potential scenarios. Scenario number one, she got this, this individual got a breast, got breast implants from this plastic surgeon in return from sex, in, in return for sex. She threatens to tell on him. He kills her. Scenario mm-hmm. one. Right. Scenario two, there's a jealous boyfriend and death occurs because he kills her. And unfortunately, she dies. <laughs> unfortunately, she dies. <laughs> and so there's no real evidence at this point. And, and Booth is basically, Booth and Brennan are basically talking about quitting. Right. Is the deputy director wants them to hand the case back over to the LA field office is they and just and just come home because they haven't really gotten anywhere unfortunately yeah they have a lot of information about this individual Rachel Candace whatever right but we don't know much about her but but, but we can't use that information to tie it to a person no, just they're yet. at a dead end they don't know they don't know what to do because they have all these little bits and pieces, but none of them are, con- none of them are connecting to identify this person. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So they have this, I thought it was a very rational into yes. talk. Like they booth pulls over because they need to decide what they're going to do. They need to decide whether they're going to quit or not, you know, and what information, like whether they're going to push with, What's this boss's name in Washington? Cullen. Cullen. Yeah, so they need to decide whether they're going to go back to Cullen and say, you know, give us a couple more days or not. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Another shot. So they have this very nice back and forth. That was a really, I thought, a nice exchange between the two of them. They were very civil. Very civil. They listened to each other. Brennan didn't give him a hard time about positing scenarios. He didn't give her a hard time about the science. And then they decide as a team, this is another team thing. I, I mean, all the other parts of this show, this episode aside, this is the one scene that shows them working together as a team, like really well, where they say, okay, let's do it. Let's do this together. Let's figure it out. Let's try to make something happen here. So I really like this scene. I just, I thought it was good. Same. I, it just so happens. I yeah. find the timing of the scene very interesting because this scene seems to be in my mind. This scene is happening at the exact same time that Hodgins and Zach are having their conversation in the, in the scene immediately prior to this. Yes. So right as they start to drive again after, so as you mentioned, Booth had um, pulled over. So once Booth starts driving again, Zach calls and he says, I think I know what the murder weapon is. It's a larger version of, the surgical implement used on the victim's jaw. Whatever had made those marks on the victim's jaw when she got plastic surgery. Yeah. That is the murder weapon. Right. And it just so happens that there's only one surgeon who does that procedure with this, yeah. with this uh, tool it's and he's in LA. So yeah. off to Dr. Henry Atlas on Rodeo drive. They go. Yeah. Zach is the hero here. He found this person who's the only doctor in the whole wide world who has this particular tool. And I just want to say we are met with this doctor. Okay. His, this actor's name is Harry Groner. I think that's how you say his name. And this guy played a very important part in a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No way. Yes. He was a massive part of a whole season 
where he plays this evil mayor of this small town in uh, California somewhere. Anyway, I just think it's really funny because David and him, I know each other for sure. That's crazy. I had no idea. I, I kind of, is Buffy on Netflix? No. Nah, I should go back and watch. He's on Prime. Well, Prime, Netflix, whatever, as long as it's available, I should watch. We're almost done Star Trek TNG. We only have six more episodes left. Ooh, you should move on to uh, Deep Space Nine. I know. I was thinking I was going to, anyway, I should have mentioned that at the beginning. I know we're talking about bones. I know, but but... Star Trek talk is allowed any time of the day. I don't care. Anyway, I just thought I would mention this guy when they showed. I was like, oh my God, it's the guy from Buffy. I just thought that was really funny. That's so interesting. And those who watch Buffy would immediately jump to the conclusion then. That this guy is the bad guy because he of played course. an evil character. He played a bad guy in Buffy too. And bad guys seem to be typecast a little bit. So, mm. so yeah. So we end up talking to this to this Doctor Atlas. He is actually fairly helpful. They notice that he has a sailboat on on the wall, picture of a sailboat. So, ding ding ding. This guy's a boat. Boat check. Check. That helps. Weird surgical um, tools. Check. Exactly. Check. <laughs> this guy has got to be the murderer. Yeah. But we we have a little. We they talk a little bit more with this guy. Mm-hmm. They get some information. We know this Rachel as also Sandra. We know her as Candace. Yeah. He knew her as Susan Shepherd. Susan. Yeah. So Susan, like, where are all these names coming from? This is a lot of names for one person to go by. Hey, it's great. It's very confusing for her. But anyway, it worked for her. So that's fine. So basically, he acknowledges that he knew this person. Right. He acknowledges that the surgical instruments that he used could have been the murder weapon. Mm -hmm. And he acknowledges he has a boat. I don't know if he acknowledges he has a boat, but we know he has a boat from that picture. At the very end of the scene, we are looking at this guy like, holy Dr. Atlas. Yep. There's only a few minutes left of this episode. You mm-hmm. are the killer. 100%. But obviously. So they have a warrant to take his tools. So they want to check it out for like trace evidence and stuff, right? But in the story we hear actually from him is that he used to hook up with this particular sex worker or escort that was very taken with him and wanted him to take her away from all this and marry her. And he yeah. thought she was too clingy. Did you tell this already? I don't know. I'm just mentioning. I haven't you. because this is in a couple scenes that he, he brings, he comes in to the FBI headquarters with his lawyer oh, in a couple of scenes. And then we go oh, through just, like, because at, at that point, at the end of that last scene, ahead. they arrest him because yeah. they, they have due cause to arrest him. Mm-hmm. there's only one scene in between we'll come back to it they find right. they discover that one of these things was the murder weapon yeah so boom dr atlas is with his lawyer in la fbi headquarters as you had mentioned mm-hmm. and as you mentioned he had another call girl who he was dealing with she seemed to start to have expectations beyond what he had hoped for he was just looking for sex and she seemed to want to create a life with him basically so he made a change and started requesting someone else yeah he ditched her for sure what else happens here 
Oh, well, are we just talking about the interview with Harry Broner? Yeah. Yeah. So basically I, I, cause I skipped ahead and I apologize. We're going to go back to the other scene, but because there's a scene before this back at the Jeffersonian. Yeah. But with this scene, they basically believe they've got this guy caught red handed, but then he explains like you were saying, he had this relationship with this woman. She, he cut it off. And um, they discover through this conversation with him that the one who wanted him to marry her used to wear diamonds on her fingernails and she was very flashy. So that was an interesting detail, right? Yes, because now we're placed, now that places this fingernail at the scene of the murder. Right. So now there's plausible deniability. Now I'm starting to think maybe Dr. Alice isn't the killer. Maybe not. And, you know, kind of like my whole thing is let's um uh, before we go back to the jeffersonian i just want to mention they discover that this is the murder weapon this is what i wanted to ask you about when we first started talking about this brennan is in the lab with all of his little customized surgical tools that only he has and there's no patent on them they're all his and she's stabbing and scraping at a big block of what looks like modeling clay. Yeah. Individual tools. And I'm just like, and there's rock music playing like, oh yeah, she's stabbing the clay. And I was just thinking like, is this really how they do it? Like <laughs> Scrape and stab at modeling clay? I don't know. <laughs> she's doing it in that like completely empty sterile yeah, but she's so into lab room faces like she's right into it and she's like oh yeah stab scrape stab scrape oh this isn't it no not that here's the one it's just like it's so funny and random I just yeah it. oh yeah I hope that that's how they do it yeah so back at the Jeffersonian what happens well it seems that for lack of better words Hodgins and Goodman Finally, put him out on the table and measured. <laughs> no, I only joke. So Hodgins comes and comes to uh, Goodman's office, and they they have a conversation, which actually goes extremely well, because Goodman acknowledges that he did bail on the authentication, but for different reasons than Hodgins thinks, and he wants to. He he wants to explain it to Hodgins because he doesn't think that Hodgins is giving him um a fair enough time basically that he's judging him too harshly mm-hmm. and that basically he's saying listen i it's not because i think that there's going to be a problem it, it's that if if he is a fake it wouldn't be a problem because if we destroyed this, this beautiful skeleton then okay whatever who cares but if he is the real thing and he and i really do think that he is a, a real picked then how can I, 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 then I owe it to, to the, to the culture and this individual to tell the story, but to not desecrate the remains effectively. Right. And so Hodgins basically gives him an out and says, well, why don't you, instead of saying that we can't, that you don't have an answer say that we want to wait until we have the proper imaging technology. So we don't have to disassemble the remains. Right. Which it makes sense. It makes sense, but man, this could have been said a long time ago. Like, yeah, honestly. just a little communication. <laughs> right. And there was not a dick measuring contest. Goodman no. was the bigger man here. 
And 100%. I love him so much. So level-headed. And Hodgins, even in this interaction, starts out being very antagonistic. Like, ha ha, yeah. I told you so kind of attitude. He's super hostile. And I'm just like, take, like, simmer down. Like, take it, like, take a yes, chill pill. <laughs> no humility, no, no humility at all. Like, just sit back and, I don't know, the guy's even... Like, I'm assuming Goodman is older than Hodgins, too. Not only is he his boss, he's older. Like, have some... Anyway, I don't like how disrespectfully... Just a little respect. I do like the way that this scene ended, though, Mm -hmm. where they did come to a common ground, and it was 100% um, orchestrated and facilitated by Dr. Goodman's ability to have humility and reason with this guy, who is being completely... Just ridiculous. <laughs> it was all Goodman. The only reason yeah. the interaction ended well is because of Goodman. 100%. We are. But they do shake hands. They do shake hands because of Goodman. Yes. And we're going to have t shirts made with Goodman's face and we're going to have like big hearts around him and we're going to just love Goodman because he's so great. I would love him as a boss. Are you kidding? He would be great. Also, his accent is awesome. Yeah. He just sounds so professional. I know. Can't can't get enough of it, eh? So Kelly, what is Doctor Atlas our killer? No, we discover he is not our killer because the next scene at the end, we have Booth and Brennan at the same weird hotel pool bar, and they uh, Booth is sitting with Leslie, the woman that he talked to earlier about Rachel, Candace, Sandra, Sharon, Sharon, no. No, Sandra, Susan. 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 I was going to try to get all the names. Right. <laughs> uh, so he's fault. sitting there with this friend. And it turns out she's the one who has diamonds in her nails. And he pulls off one of her fake nails and she's missing a whole fingernail. And her, her, her pinky's all screwed up. So she's definitely the culprit. There's guys standing by to arrest her. And then she whispers something in his ear and he looks very despondent. Booth is very sad about this whole situation. And he, nods. Um, he seems he nods really yes to whatever she says. Yeah, he seems upset about this whole situation. And then um, they finally find out the victim's real name. Is this when we find out her real name? It is. When he ends up back with Brennan, mm-hmm. we find out that he actually was able to identify who this person was and her real name is Allison. None of her, none of her aliases. Yeah. Allison Holmes. Yep. And she has a father and a brother who are still alive back in Maine Mm -hmm. and Booth being the sentimental person that he is, is going to ensure that the remains are returned to her brother and father. That's not, I don't think that's sentimentality. I think it's just, (laughs) And also, they don't want to have to bury Jane Doe. Well, they've identified her, so now that's yeah. fine. And they show a photograph of her, and she's very adorable. She's a very cute, white, blonde girl. So yeah, there you go. Girl next door and all that. Girl next door. And then Brennan asks him what the, the woman Leslie whispered to him as she was being, you know, taken away in handcuffs. And he said, uh, she asked him if he thought she was beautiful. And it's kind of melancholy. Like the ending is kind of melancholy. Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, they ended up being a very good team. And David looks super hot in this episode. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree. LA agrees with him. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope that they, that he comes back to Washington because I know you need him in DC. You like <laughs> him in his suits for sure. What'd you think? Yes. I thought this was a good episode. I thought that I really love that we got to experience Goodman a, l- a lot more than we normally do because we don't get enough of Goodman's character, in my opinion. Um, but I did find this episode to be a lot less lighthearted than some of the more recent episodes that there have been. It's a little bit like, this is the kind of episode that is a little bit depressing, to be honest. It's a little sad. Um, is we basically, this character, it's not every episode. It's not every day that you come across a show where, or an episode where, we have a character who we had no idea who she was until this very last scene. We did not have a name. We had a per- we had personality traits. We kind of knew what she looked like. We didn't find out until the very end what she looked like. It just painted a very sad picture of this individual who wanted to be anyone but herself, basically. Yeah, it was a very, what's that called? It's like an indictment on like that whole culture of, you know, sex work, plastic surgery and everything. I I didn't like it because of that. That's the theme, the themes I didn't like in terms of like how harshly they sort of judge sex work and plastic surgery. I just thought like, okay, yeah, seemed kind of, that's the only thing I'm I'm with you. The, the, the joy of the episode was seeing as much Goodman as we did the actual a storyline the main storyline with the whole sex workers and plastic surgery i didn't give a shit about <laughs> yeah i found I the care. iron age the iron age warrior was that was the more interesting storyline for me because there's so much educational like i learned so much from yeah that storyline like i had no idea what a picked was before i didn't know that normally they'd be found in northern england now i know this now we know fascinating makes you want to read it is fascinating seriously it does so very cool yeah well i don't know i'm looking forward to the next episode because i'm just gonna mention right now the next episode is very important in our relationship (laughs) there's a scene in the next episode that is is key to this whole podcast this whole podcast is basically is based on this one scene so i love it i will say do seek out there are people on instagram who are sex workers and people who work in different industries within that realm that are very positive um positive uh, ambassadors or i don't know what the word is but just people who are out there doing the work and there's no shame and they're having a good time and there's it's an empowering thing for a lot of people it doesn't have to be depressing like leslie <laughs> leslie's character was so sad and if i if i have to get botox in my forehead and my neck i will you know if i have the money maybe one day i don't know i haven't decided i feel like plastic surgery especially with there's so many different things that you can do now botox lip fillers I know. I want. Like it's I want, so common. I want my eyes. You know my problem, Brittany. I have like hooded eyes. My eyes are hooded, and when I'm really tired and just exhausted, they're really, really hooded. I, do, I, really, I have the same thing. 
I would love to just cut that, lift it up. And then I'd have like open eyes all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But be careful with that though. If they cut too much, you'll be like, no, I'll be fucked up. That's the problem. The risk, right? I I want a a direct line to Demi Moore's plastic surgeon, you know? Yeah. Demi Demi Moore is the queen of all of it. Ever since back in the day, she's been chopping and shaving and filling and she's just they do a great job on her <laughs> well she was dating ashton kutcher for a while there they were married <clears throat> oh geez i don't even think i realized that they were married they were married for a while for a long while yeah wild um okay thank you very much for listening this is great thank Can't you episode and um yeah see you next time perfect Thanks for listening to Squintcast with me, Kelly Booth, and my and your new friend, Brittany Elsner. The Bones theme is performed by The Crystal Method. They can be found on Instagram and YouTube at The Crystal Method and at thecrystalmethod.com. Intro and outro music is by Twisterium at Pixabay. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Squintcast. Email us at squintcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at fab underscore empire underscore on Instagram and TikTok. Brittany can be found at Brittany81523 on Instagram. See you next time. Hodgins! <laughs>